0: Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, his toes
1: froze off somewhere outside the Mark Theater, it's Arturo Zurita. Ah, how y'all doing posted up in this prestigious Sundance (laughs) (laughs) Resort right here, as you can see with these mountains. (laughs) Gorgeous. Um, so, still, still stuck like out remnants. here. The festival is completely over. There is just like a couple screenings for the locals. I'm gonna pretend to be the only Mexican who lives in Salt Lake, Mormon City, Utah, and try to sneak <laughs> myself in there tomorrow. But it's been a fun festival. Awesome. Staying up late, and uh, yeah, it's been dope. Been pretty good. Nice. Yeah, uh, we're glad that we get to catch up
0: with you while you're out in Sundance. Obviously, art is not at his usual a lo- it's a filming location business, with yeah. his usual beautiful. Background, although it's a very beautiful got background. Chicago Pools, right? On the, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's out in Utah for the Sundance Film Festival. We'll be talking about a lot of those releases on today's show. We'll also be talking about Oscar nominations in detail because those came out last week and there's so much to we discuss to say. that we can't waste your time. We're skipping the what we've been watching and getting right into a special Sundance edition of yay or nay with our resident Park City dweller. So Art, how cold has it been out there? Dude, it's
1: been freaking hot. I've gotten a tan. I landed with- Unexpected Island, right <laughs> when the Salt Lake City ended up in a freaking pool outside. No, I came here with six jackets. <laughs> it was snowing in Chicago. Came here with six jackets all on top of another to get him to the airport. I have been using the thinnest field jacket possible there was a blizzard in the middle of it it got things cold but literally this morning there were kids outside skateboarding in shorts
0: oh lucky so glo- last year was much colder last I think, year was right?
1: freezing cold but since then global warming became a thing just right. started in 2017
0: we didn't know about it we didn't know. nobody was new no about one it. told us <laughs> i wish somebody would tell us oh, about ridiculous. it ridiculous all right uh, so let's get into our Sundance edition of Yay or Nay. The Sundance Awards came out earlier today, the day we're recording, Sunday, and there's a lot of really exciting stuff to talk about. A lot of movies that I know Art managed to see. I don't know if it was just some sneaky maneuvering or if you had a little insight yeah, into dude, what would get these awards. I knew everything that
1: was going to win, man. I'm manipulating the system. I came last year, they <laughs> said, How, what could we do different? I said, have these movies. I'm... The, I, they won because I'm the one who got them in the festival to begin with. <laughs> they don't you care about me. The no, they don't care now. about You me. go to
0: one press screening yeah. and it's... Yeah, it's... they're
1: listening to me while I'm giving them thousands of dollars on merchandise and tickets. <laughs> Uh, no, I try to say just I try to watch as much as I can. I, I like watching all the ones in the narrative competition. I try to watch anything that hasn't secured a release date because I don't know when I'm gonna be able to see it or, or when it's gonna be released. Exactly. So just try to catch as many as you as you can and eventually, you know, one of them's bound to win something. <laughs> and hopefully yeah. it's your favorite, so
0: So, uh, the big prize of Sundance Awards, the U.S. Dramatic Mm -hmm. Competition Grand Jury Prize, was awarded to the Miseducation of Cameron Post. This is a movie coming out with Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, written and directed by Desiree Arkovin. Art... Uh, I know we talked about it a little mm. bit before the fest, but yay or nay, was this a worthy
1: winner of the Grand Jury Prize? Bro, it is in my top ten. It's actually my top five. I think I have it at number five. I don't care about numbers. My, my six, right, if I'm look, talking about, like, the movies in particular that have all just blended together in a, in their greatness. There's six movies that I just can't wait to see again, can't wait to buy, can't wait to recommend, can't wait to just experience it with others. The Miseducation of Cameron Pros is one of those. Uh it is the, the festival awards have been a bit weird and we're like in the recent years, they haven't really blown up as much. You know, there was controversy with Birth of a Nation. Right. Uh, but, but before that, you know, a lot of the times was like Whiplash. Whiplash is one of my favorite movies. And there was this trend going on right. with the, uh, uh, the audience and the jury one being like the same movie and then it like trickling and, and, and picking up.
0: Me and Dur- Earl and a Dying Girl. Exactly. One.
1: Uh, so this past year, which uh, last year was my first Sundance Film Festival, what one was I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah. which not only went nowhere on Netflix because it just got dumped there and, like, very few people saw it. I personally didn't even think it was, like, incredible. So if we're talking, like, it, for me, in, in terms of the quality right. between the other movies, it's sort of like I'm expecting this quality. Okay, I'm expecting oh, – yeah, wow, you guys are always bringing – always bring. the heck is this, <laughs> right? Now, right. I did like Crown Heights, which won the Audience Award. Um, and I haven't seen the Audience Award for this one, which I know we'll get to in a bit, but – Uh, I'm not saying that it takes away from it, but what I'm saying is that Cameron Post, I think, makes up for the slump from last year. And I really hope, I don't know who picked it up, but whoever picked it up, the biggest thing is distribution and who you can get to see these movies. Again, it is in my top six. This year is a bit different from last year and where it's the movies that... Last year was more like these these crazy big hits, here it's more about these very, very, very solid movies, and there was a lot more of those than there being one clear frontrunner. And The Miseducation of Cameron Pros is one that you have to check out. Um, I'm forgetting her name, and she even liked my tweet about it. Desiree
0: Arcade. No, no, no,
1: the actress who was also in
0: American *American*, High, American Sasha She needs to
1: be in, be in more things. I... I now see what y'all were talking about in American Honey, and I'm like, okay, American Honey's a good movie. She's going with her thing. I couldn't tell how much of it was just, you know, the improvisation that she just had to do. Bro, she is good. She needs to be in more things. Her banter's fantastic, especially with Chloe Grace Moretz. The directing is great. Uh, The kid from Super Dark Times is in this, and he has the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. Um, Awesome. Yo, we were talking uh, as well earlier about going into movies where the director didn't really impress you with the previous one.
0: Right, I was a bigger fan of Appropriate Behavior than, I than was. you yeah. were. But I think we both thought it was kind of okay. I think I had hopes that her next movie would be better. That's though. exactly what
1: you kept telling me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go into it completely. You know, It's a brand new movie. Let's see what they have to offer. Went from okay to excellent. This, this is a, a fantastic movie. And a lot of people I already know are wondering, is this just winning because it's gay? Is this just winning because it's covering this? <laughs> it's about. Uh, it takes place in 1993, a group of teenagers who are, who are all sent to gay conversion therapy camp, and oh man, I know that there's going to be. I personally think it handles both sides. Obviously, they're favoring one side, but they look at both sides. Yeah, in a I mean, certain. You know, I think that that you can sit several people down to watch this movie, and some people are going to see one thing, and some people are going to see another thing, and I think that's a good thing. But uh, like all the movies distribution is gonna be the biggest part of it. I don't know who picked it up, but depending on how they distribute it, that's going to be the biggest deal when it comes to it. Because this movie is funny, this movie has heart, this movie mm-hmm. has a, a lot of the the drama parts all just completely down to a T. But the biggest issue is going to be like, are you gonna be able to get the right audience to see it? Are they gonna play off the fact right. that it's like kind of looking down at this, this church practice and noticing that, you know, they may not have been the best things. Uh, that was a point that I was going to get to of how even if you're super religious or you're th- like the gayest person ever, I'm pretty sure both sides can see that this this just didn't work. You know what I mean? This thing right. that was happening in the 90s right. just didn't work. And uh, that, that's what the movie's covering. It's not saying don't believe in Jesus. It's just saying don't hate somebody to the point that you're causing them to hate themselves. And it can push them to do something that they shouldn't and hurt themselves even more because you're telling them that they're yes. not worthy of it. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it blows yeah. up.
0: Yeah. And that sounds like a good message for a movie yeah. like that too. Uh, so I, I know one movie that you haven't had a chance to see yet, yeah. although I know you're trying to tomorrow. see it tomorrow is the winner for the audience mm-hmm. award, uh, Burden. So uh, Art, what have you been hearing about Burden at the festival?
1: Burden I've heard since I haven't seen it is that the best part about it is the performances. And a lot of people saying that it's very heavy-handed on a certain side. I won't know until I see it tomorrow, but that's what I've heard. A lot of people praising the performances rather than that. And the other people saying that the reason it won the Audience Award is because it plucked at something that caused people to go, like, this is what I need to vote for. When I personally think that other winners did it a lot better. Again, I haven't seen Burden yet. But it, it is one of those cases this year where a lot of it—and I get it. It makes sense. And I'm okay with it when they're good movies— but it was funny hearing some people come out. There's, like, this white dude, this white older dude. What have you seen? Well, I've been trying to see the most non-offensive movies, and there's, like, five of them at this festival. Yeah, uh,
0: there is that thing of so, the audience award winner sometimes going to a movie that's maybe a little bit more manipulative and uh, broad. I'm not I'm saying not, I, it is. You haven't seen I, Birded. We're, we're not yeah. talking about Birded, We're talking about generally what happens to – I mean, I mm-hmm. remember being at TIFF one year uh, when the Imitation Game – was the audience award winner and you know that's just not really a movie that i think is a good example of the quality of films that come through a festival like toronto but it is a Uh movie that has that kind of very like emotional ending that kind of is rousing in a way and makes you feel like you're watching something important and you can imagine if you're in the audience and you know you're the first person to see this movie you want to like you know vote with your Audience ballot and give it that yeah. 5 out of 5. A lot so of people sometimes, I think, at these festivals get swept up in the moment and, and want to make a statement with the movies they see.
1: Fever Fest, what we were talking about earlier, whether you see a movie and you're like, oh, you're so into it. A bunch of the midnight movies that we saw, you could tell like the people were just so excited, either because they were completely drunk or it was midnight, whatever it was. They were yelling at just scene location changes. Whoa, we're in a room now! Like They just right. go completely crazy. So, I mean... I don't know. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe it ends up becoming my favorite.
0: I don't know. The award for directing went to another movie that I know you haven't seen. It went to Sarah Colangelo for The Kindergarten Teacher. Now, uh, you did see the movie that this one Mm -hmm. is based on. Uh, It's based on a 2014 Israeli film also called The Kindergarten Teacher. Uh, What's the buzz been like on The Kindergarten Teacher?
1: Everybody keeps saying that her performance Maggie is fantastic, Gyllenhaal. which is the reason why you, yeah, why you watch a remake to begin with to see what it adds mm-hmm. to it. Uh, obviously, it's in English; it's going to be more digestible for a lot of people. I didn't see it mainly because I knew the story and I wanted to catch new things that I haven't seen right. the story of. So, main buzz has been the acting. I'm surprised with the amount of buzz she got. Why she didn't win actress? Or I think they just do actor, right? For Sundance, it's not actor-actors, it's just yeah, actor. Yeah, they do
0: like one acting award, and it didn't go to her.
1: Okay, yeah. So I guess it wasn't that much for the jury to vote her in, but that that's the main thing that I've heard from it. Uh,
0: the screenwriting award went to Christina Ko-cho, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, for Nancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you saw this one, but Absolutely you are not, not as no. big of a fan
1: of Nancy. Bro, I'm going to name you like five movies. I, I think this, these awards are only for the ones in the competition, yes. right? Yes. Like for the narrative dramatic yes. competition, I first of all, Monsters and Men better. Sorry to bother you, so better. Let me, let me, Sorry to I bother you, it's you freaking insane.
0: The outstanding first feature award did go to Ronaldo Marcus Green for Monsters of Men and Men.
1: That man deserves everything. I'm gonna get to okay. him, he's dope. Uh, eighth grade, I would give it to the dialogue in eighth grade. There's a specific scene, uh, that to me calls back to Michael Stolberg's scene, and call me by your name. With the same type of emotion of a father to their child. Again, like I said, Cameron Post, dialogue in there. I know not everyone likes blind spotting. That was like probably the ones where people came out going, what the heck, and other people were like, yeah. Sorry to Bother You was also very much like that as well, but I thought that was at least way more innovative. Nancy is more in the performances than it is in the script, in my opinion. And if you've seen The (laughs) Impostor... You've seen a much better real-life version of Nancy anyway. So, I don't so know. So, yet,
0: you think it would have
1: been better off going to uh, Bo Burnham for 8th grade, maybe? A thousand percent. The way Bo Burnham wrote 8th grade, the way that Cameron Post was written. Heck, the way the tale was written. Honestly, the way the tale was written, I would love to see how that script was made just because of the way that it's narratively told where she's not having flashbacks. She's arguing with her flashbacks. <laughs>
0: interesting
1: right so exactly so i don't get how nancy gets it and not something that's innovative like that not something like sorry to bother you which is completely bonkers okay maybe not sorry to bother you because of how crazy it gets at the end but I, monsters and men to me is structured very much like um the story of fathers and sons ryan gosling bradley cooper uh place uh place beyond the pines place oh, between yeah, the place pines, beyond the pines. pines between the place Place Beyond the Pines. To me, it's a lot like that in where it's it's each story happens due to... Like a because of the other one kind of... Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see what Nancy's... I ain't hate Nancy. I don't want to say that. It's one of those scenarios where it's sort of like... Just not on you
0: enough for that prize.
1: Exactly. Especially when other ones outdid themselves in my Yeah, opinion.
0: screenwriting in particular, They're, you huh? think whatever. it maybe would go to something that's a little more inventive. Uh, than oh, what I've been hearing about Nancy, but yeah, well, you, good for them. They want it. They want you it. You seem like nay on the screenwriting decision for Nancy, but a big yay on outstanding first feature going to Monsters and Men.
1: My man, when we were we got waitlisted for mm. Monsters and Men, right? And I'll say this: I apologize because there was Monsters and Men and Monster. It's like the same synopsis. Like I said, they're at a bodega. They see a cop shoot a black dude. I was like, is this the same movie? I wanted to see Monster which is actually based off of a book, but I had never read the book, uh, mainly because that one starred um, Asa Rocky and Nas. And they got Nas acting like freaking Red from Shawshank Redemption. Nas plays the old black wise man at the prison who's got to help this kid out. And that was the original one that I wanted to see. I did not care for that one at all. I feel like the problem with that one, in my opinion, is that it works better as a book. Because the book, I believe, seeing from the movie is supposed to be written as a script because the kid is a filmmaker mm-hmm. who then gets stuck in the situation. So he's always saying, like, external courtroom, Yeah. right? So seeing that in the movie, it's sort of like, yeah, I know, we're watching <laughs> <laughs> it. I can see that we're outside and when we're, we're in the interior. Excuse me. Monsters and Men, the one I almost skipped, ended up becoming a, top five movies for me at Sundance. I was riding with it. Then the man comes out and he talks. And it the movie was like, here, the moment he talked about it, it went through the roof. When we were in the waitlist line, which if you don't know, at Sundance, you have your super, super rich people or your press who just walk in with a badge. The people who have bought their tickets and are waiting in line. And then the people who are waitlisted and they're just waiting to get in. You know, they, they got their little number that they did on the on the online waitlist. And they're just hoping to get in if they can find seats. Well, we're one of those people who we're waiting there at eight. 8 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning, right? We're super tired because last night, the night before that, we saw a midnight screening to *Blind Spotting*. Ends up ending up like at yeah. 2, right? The director was at the screening of Blindspotting. Oh, nice. Because he really wanted to watch that movie. He watched it, stayed up late, knowing that he still needed to be there in the morning. And again, doesn't need to be there because you go to some screenings and they're like, yeah, the, the people aren't here. Are they not at Park City? No, they're at Park City. They're probably just like hungover. <laughs> this dude watched Spotting* to go support the movie, then woke up in the morning again to come to his movie, but went into the waitlist line to let everybody know that he was going to make sure they got in to see the That's movie. awesome. I mean, that... Now, well, I'm look, not I, I want like, to say, like, that it.
0: sounds like an awesome experience that has no effect yes. on what I'm going to experience when movie. I watch the movie. What is, what's going to be exactly. like when I sit down and watch Monsters and Men?
1: Bro, so the movie starts off, you're following uh, Philip from Hamilton, and then you're, you're following um, a, a black cop who's dealing with the repercussions of what happened in the first arc, and then the last arc is about a kid and what he's going to decide to do, knowing that he can either protest with them or not. And the way they handle some subjects had me second-guessing stuff. Like my idea of how to solve some things, I was. the movie has a bunch of scenes where it's two people on two different ideologies, right? Was that cop right or was that cop wrong? And they go at it. And usually, right, there's a bias, <laughs> yeah. right? You're watching them and you're going, clearly you're making the one person on whatever side you don't agree with act really dumb. Bro, both sides are stacked to the point that the it's scene just has weight. to end with one of them walking away. Exactly. It comes out later. There's a scene between a father and a son, and the father and the son are arguing, don't protest because you're going to ruin your college chances. Trust me. Things will change in the future, but son, I want you to make it. And the son's going, but I don't want to grow up and not have done anything. So now you're sitting there going, what do you choose? Because you can see both sides. And and the director comes on, he just starts talking about how he just wanted to start a discussion, and he starts a discussion with this movie. He starts a discussion with this movie a lot better than forget this year, previous years, have tried to cover with it. I think it does it better than Fruitvale Station. I think it does it better than, again, I made a video about how a movie can draw a better discussion than arguing with someone who you're just saying, I don't agree with you. But in a movie, you're seeing that police officer's life. You're seeing the man who got shot and the people in his neighborhood and how they lived their lives. You're seeing both sides of the stories play out. And I think the three-act structure was fantastic and the way that they were all connected, showing you that one incident isn't isolated, it ripples down, and then him coming out and saying, you know, he's like, I disagree with a lot of people, I had him in the movie. (laughs) Like, like the police officers who he said inspired conversations, police officers, I think he said his dad was a police officer growing up, a bunch of the people who you would think he was just going to speak negative of were not just influence, but in the movie itself. And I think it was it's, it's one of the best movies at Sundance. Really happy he got it. He's a dope dude. He's awesome. I want to see more stuff from him. Awesome. Uh, so the only
0: other major award that went to a movie I know you haven't seen yet is the Special Jury Prize going to I Think We're Alone Now. Uh, what do you think about that? What have you been hearing about it? I'm pretty sure you said that you're trying to see that one tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow as yes. well. Yeah, they have it playing. I—I uh, I, All I heard was it looks good. I don't like when people cryptically don't give something... Like, you can see someone going, eighth grade really got to the to the heart of what it was to really be an eighth grader, and Bo Burnham, and the way that he really just tells the story and strips it down to his core and start naming you scenes and start telling you the emotions, and they start, like, releasing their own eighth grade pictures. <laughs> then they get to this one, they're like, the cinematography was spectacular. Very pleasing to look at. And I'm like, uh, y'all don't want to talk about story? Yeah, that's it. Y'all don't want to talk that's about it. this? You know, Yeah. And then you'll get the other people who are honest and they're like, no, nah, it was straight up boring. Yeah. Cinematography's good. And I'm saying cinematography's is good. So I'm not surprised at all that it won cinematography because supposedly it's fantastic. If I am not mistaken, it was a female cinematographer.
0: Uh, I'm not like, sure about I could be that, wrong. Potentially, yeah.
1: But that is the one thing that I, compl- uh, I heard over and over again that it looks great. Obviously, I was excited. Uh, the name is based off of a song that always reminds me of 10 Chlorophyll Lane because that was the last <laughs> time I heard it. Peter Dinklage, Um, Al Fanning, I think, think, isn't it as well? And it's like a post-apocalyptic movie. I wanna see that, and then they're like, no, literally, that's just, they just chill. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see how it is, and hopefully it looks as great as the award says it. Yeah, and to by the time
0: by the time this podcast is posted, uh, Art will have posted his thoughts on the ATZ shows Twitter as well as his letterbox. So check the description down below for links to both of those. Uh, make sure to check out his thoughts. And like him, retweet him. You can hear more about all his thoughts on all the Sundance movies there. Uh, Let's get on with the awards. Achievement in acting went to Benjamin Dickey in the movie that I know you just saw, Blaze. Uh, How do you feel about Mm -hmm. that prize going to Benjamin Dickey?
1: Uh, I'm trying to look at the other ones because I just saw it fresh off. And at first when it started, I was like, all right, this dude is just... The character of Blaze is one of those dudes who, like, speaks Mm -hmm. in quotes. So when you're playing a character like that, it feels like an impression almost. But that's just the way the guy talks. Like, he speaks in quotes. He says, like, you know, the night is darkest when this happens. Uh, You know, confidence (laughs) is like life. Life is like confidence. Like, he just says things like that. So you're like, okay, is this just, like, a cheesy performance or is this the character? I think he deserves it. It was actually pretty good. You got to think of the fact that the people who voted for him are actors. So they would know what to look for, in my opinion. Is it a bit more of a subtle performance than I think we sometimes see
0: getting awarded with acting awards?
1: So you're seeing him, like, I want to say in a five-ish, maybe ten-ish year span. Oh, interesting. So you start noticing little things. And it was like by the you know the beginning of the third act i was like i see why you want it he's able to transform from this guy who mumbles parables to just straight up mumbling nonsense (laughs) and the way he's able to deliver it i think excuse me uh i I would see to me i would have given it to probably laura dern for the tale but i yeah but i think the amount of um Coverage that he does on just this one man's life, the physicality of it. At a certain point, I couldn't take him super seriously because he kind of looked like Post Malone. <laughs> he has like Post Malone's like scruffy hair, um, but I do think he deserves it. He, he, there's a physicalness to it because the character has a limp. There's the way that he talks, and once you get used to the fact that it's like, oh, okay, this is like the character. Right. This this is literally how he speaks. It's not like a person making an impression trying to be like. Oh, you're here now, like trying to sound like an old blues totally. singer. Um, I think it was. I think he did a fantastic job. Uh, so I know that your favorite movie
0: of Sundance so far also picked up an award. It is the next Audience Award
1: that went to Search. You want to tell us a little bit about Search Art? Look, I tell this people. It's, I say this all the time. A lot of people like to say, "No, you're just on the high <laughs> train. You're just on this." I'm like, look, Hereditary. I. I I think it's fantastic. I will keep talking about it. But I didn't say it was my favorite, right? Uh, I went to go see Sorry to Bother You. Blew me. I want to see Sorry to Bother You again so bad because of how, I, man, maybe we'll talk after the show. To you sent me a gif after it. I, 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 I got yeah, word of how yeah, good it was. I know you don't mind spoilers. I ain't ruined anything for any of you because I, I don't know what can be in the trailer. It's so insane. But I ain't I ain't posted anything. I saw Cameron Post speaking of and I didn't say anything until I'm sitting there at search. And the first five minutes go on. And I kid you not, it is the equivalent to Up. When everyone's always talking about, oh, the, the, the visuals in Up are so great because without words, the first five, ten minutes give you this whole story of happiness to sadness. This movie does that in the first 5 to 10 minutes. It's all told on a computer screen. I've heard people say that it's gimmicks. They're lying, thieving adulterers at heart who love gimmicks in other movies. They... I think because Unfriended took place on yeah, a computer screen. Yeah, it's not the first time used that to a it.
0: movie has done this, but it seems like a unique take on
1: it. Yeah. It's like people are saying, it's like, oh, I hope this gimmick goes away, you know, just like the found footage horror... The found footage gimmick went away. And I'm like, but there were some good found footage movies as well. If you're not willing, to, like you don't have to like found footage, I understand that. But to say that automatically, anything found footage, right. cannot be good. Then yeah, I feel like you're saying the same thing again. Some people have said, take away the gimmick of the, of the thing and no one would care about this movie. What you talk, like, I, I was thinking of the story and some similar ones and how those have gone in pretty far. I'm not gonna spoil anything that happens in the movie, but I'm like, what are you talking about? Take that out, you still got a pretty solid story. Heck, a miniseries, if anything, as well, I would say. Um, the way it's told allows it, like I said, instead of it being a miniseries, to be this short thing because the computer screen allows you to have notes and messages that you look through to be able to get a quick recap of things. I think it's edited to perfection. Those saying it's not cinematic, it definitely is cinematic. The, the camera within itself is still on the computer screen, but it still finds a way... To like when they're doing a FaceTime call, to zoom in on the right. FaceTime call, to go out. Like it There's takes a little bit. Does some things. 1000%. Yeah. Are there still a couple dumb things? Yes, no doubt. There are things where you're like, why is this computer not closed? Why would he still be on here? Yes. But when someone does something so well, those end up just becoming little minor right. things. I will mention them most definitely, but if that's what's going to, like, kill it for you and you're going to ignore all this other incredible stuff they keep talking about. I, I like going into a movie, and, you know, you're always hearing about the producer, the actors. The way that everyone, like, the director and the producers have all given the credit to the editors and how much work, I don't know, to me it's like, it shows, it shows it in the movie, like, how much effort they put into making it all make sense because you're, you're comp- I'm looking at my computer screen right now with, you know, you're on it, all my files audition, you know, the Google hangout, all these things. And it's like, it can get cluttering. So for them to have been able to make sure that it all makes sense, it's fantastic. I think there's a nostalgia to it going back to the Windows 95 that they freaking opened at the beginning of this movie <laughs> to your emails to your parents snooping around. It's awesome. it's great. It's my favorite of the year. For I'm really reason.
0: excited for it. And uh, John Cho finding his way into some really interesting indie films in the last couple of years. Lastly, the Next Innovator Award, it was split between two movies. I don't think you saw Night Comes On, but I know you saw... No, I didn't see that one, yeah. uh, We the Animals. I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter praising We the Animals, talking about it maybe being this year's Moonlight. Art, can you tell me a little bit about it?
1: Bro, there's some movies you go into in the next category. The next category, to me, literally just means... um, this idea is so crazy we can't put it in the narrative. (laughs) This this movie does things differently. I won't say weird. It does things differently that people are not going to be used to. There was a lot of ones that came up. um, Madeline's Madeline. A lot of critics really, really liked. They've already said that it's going to be their favorite movie of the year. For me, We the Animals not only embraced me in its differentness in telling the story and how visual it was, Right. A lot of people have compared it to the Florida Project and Moonlight. A lot of, you know, it's like you really got to compare things. You should. It's not bad. Because what you're saying is that Moonlight and um, the Florida Project have set the bar for that type of storytelling. And in my opinion, it's better than the Florida Project. I'm Not going to say it's better than Moonlight, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you like the Florida Project, there's absolutely no way you don't love We The Animals.
0: Interesting.
1: This thing just... I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. I know it's not going to be for everyone because it's not one of those beginning, middle, end with a plot and a climax. They are there. There's always there. When people say, oh, the movie has no story, there is a story. Uh, Florida Project has no story. It is. It's about a little girl walking around. Yeah, but when I say story, I mean explosions. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that's not there. But there is a story where you're following this individual. And for this one, it's, it's a little boy. He's one of three siblings You saw Atypical? Yes. You know the bartender in Atypical? I did. Who's also an Easy? Yeah, 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 yeah. That man's going places. He's the dad in this movie. That man, I was watching him. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm talking about him. That that guy. He is in this. This dude is going to be the next, um, I said, Luis Guzman. Which, because I really like Luis Guzman, but I know you're going to be like, Luis Guzman, how dare you offend him? All right. (laughs) I mean he's the next big Hispanic character actor akin to your boy was just in Rogue One, who's in the Heineken commercial and everybody thinks that he's freaking uh, Banderas, Antonio Banderas. <laughs> um, no, I'm blinking on his name. Benicio. Benicio del Toro. This man is going to be the next Benicio. I'm telling you oh, this damn. right now. Seeing him in Atypical, I'm like, this dude's got a presence. Like an Atypical, I thought he had a big presence. Like that dude wasn't just a bartender. Right. He got those big old gritty teeth, uh, an easy, completely different side, a mm-hmm. vulnerable side to him. Yeah. In this one, his best performance to date that I've seen him in, like by far, because this is a movie. This this man is the kids, the visuals, the transitions that are done through paper. I think it's based off a book. I haven't read the book. It is there's there's not talking really in this movie. Of, like, two, I mean, there's there's dialogue, mm-hmm. but it's in how the kid writes his journals. It's the, it's the way the kid looks at things. Wow. What the camera decides to point at. I don't wanna be cheesy and say it's magical, but it's one of those movies where if you give into it, it gives you back. The director has said, I, I hope this movie means something special to you. I hope this movie means something to you because it means everything to me. And I was like, all right, let's check this bad boy out. And it's just like, yeah. He, he gives it his all. Just like, just like the Florida Project, just like Moonlight, right? But in my opinion, there's just something about this movie that worked a lot more, and I think it was the subtlety. Imagine the first part of Moonlight for an entire feature film. Awesome. Him not growing up. I, I don't mean to... Again, I'm not saying that it's better than Moonlight. Yeah, I'm saying it's yeah. better than the Florida Project. Just for descriptive clarity. But it, he had mentioned, and I haven't read the book, but he had mentioned that the book ends with him being 18. Not in, you know, his childlike state, because at 18, then they were able to show him mature, excuse me, um, into his sexuality, I'll say. And they said 18 was the best way to show that, right, because it was more of a legal thing. And he's like, no, that's like in the last two chapters. If I show that, then you have a disconnect. And I was like, you may be onto something here because I know... One of the very few complaints for those who didn't like Moonlight is that you go, you get attached to one kid, then it's a completely different actor, than a completely different actor. And I liked what he was saying. Again, not bashing Moonlight, but that idea of keeping one character and following the whole journey through the one actor. And I think that's what really helped it out. Not just jumping forward in time and it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I get that that's the same guy. But, you know, as an audience member, you're going to be like, but he looks a little bit different. He doesn't look as adorable as Little did. This guy's a little bit more fierce, right? No, seeing just a kid and coming to his maturity, the way that the story is told, like I said, I think, I was surprised. When I had asked on Twitter, I said, yo, what should I watch? A lot of people said, we the animals. And I was like, all right, let's go see this. And uh, I know some people are gonna find it boring. I know to some people it's not going to work. That's why it's in the next category. But for me it did, and I'm glad I saw it.
0: Awesome, so uh, those are the major Sundance Awards that we went through. A lot of those are movies that art has seen, but I know that you had some other favorites. Uh, You Mm -hmm. mentioned briefly that you are a fan of Bo Burnham's directorial debut, Eighth Grade. You mentioned that you uh, thought Sorry to Bother You was like no movie you had seen.
1: Bro, yeah. It's not, trust me,
0: it's not. Only way to describe it. Uh, A lot of people were also talking about Hereditary, the latest horror pickup by A24, the studio that's also put out movies like It Comes at Night and The Witch, very divisive horror movies. Uh, Art, this was a big, hot topic on Sundance Twitter. What did you think of
1: Hereditary? It's not divisive like the other two. This is hands down the best one that they have released. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it, It's, I believe, getting released in June. It's got everything that you need. It's a fantastic horror movie, not with jump scares, but it's got the thing that, that, that freaks me out the most. You're looking at the screen... And the shot doesn't change. You just freaking notice something. And why it's so scary is because it was in front of you the whole time. Jump scares are lame. They're literally lame. It's just like someone appears when it's like physically not impossible to not have seen the person standing right here. and say, like, mm-hmm. what the heck? How can you not see the person standing right there? And then it's not even scary. That's why they got to amp up the volume to like scare you. This don't do that. This don't, it doesn't do that. The scary parts have nothing to, like it's actually quiet when you end, when you end up yelling. <laughs> what it is is that like, you're seeing somebody, and all of a sudden, you you notice that there's someone like in the corner of the room that's been there the whole time. And you just go, "What the heck?" For those of you who saw it and noticed the librarian like in the background, but they don't make notice of it, and that makes it scarier because you're like, "But why? But why aren't you mentioning that?" That type of scariness in Insidious, in the Insidious movies when they were still being directed by the master himself, and you would they would just walk by and the little boy was just hanging there. That's what we're talking about. For two full hours in this movie, there's a thing that happens 20 minutes into this film that you're just like, what the heck? I just see that. It takes place on the road. You will know what I'm talking about when I see it. I don't know if that's how they're going to want to sell this movie or not. But you see that and you go, okay, that, that's it right there. That's what everyone's going to be talking about. By the time the movie ends, four other huge things have happened. That you're just like, wait a minute, but that first insane thing blew our minds. And I don't mean like like just plenty of great things that happen. I'm talking about there are four specific shots in this movie. Usually a movie tries so hard to have the one. This one gives it to you at 15 minutes and then goes, yeah, but we got three more to give you. Ooh. I'm not kidding with you. We're talking like I, I thought for a fact that first one was going to be like all the movie had in it, and it said, no, boy, you don't even know. It goes crazy. This thing is straight-up satanic, so watch it with a pastor. Watch it with your youth group, whatever you need to watch it with. It is, it is oh, one man. that you actually want to see with a group. It is one that, in my opinion, I think is even going to get some attention down the line because this is some of the best horror performances you have ever seen. It is so
0: scary, it's funny. A lot of people have been talking about Tony Collette's performance being, like, the best horror performance since maybe, like, The Babadook or something.
1: Mm. That's... It is up there with that performance from The Babadook. And I know a lot of people are going to be sleeping on him, but this movie would be nothing without... I want to say it's Alex Wolf. They put this kid through hell and back it is insane. I'm talking about not just like a, a scream queen, like, ah, he's got to yell. I'm talking about like they, they, they freak him the heck out. He has to like have this like tr- trauma thing that he's got to do. And then the camera just sits on him as he shakes for like five minutes. And I'm <laughs> like, what did y'all do to this man? First of all, previously he had just played the the, the one of the terrorists in uh, the Boston bombing movie. Oh, Patriots um, Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And now that he's doing this, and I was like, "This." unlike his brother, this kid's choosing the darkest things to go in through. He's going to get way too scarred. So, those two performances are insane. Uh, and Dowd. Ooh. It's really good in this movie. I'm not going to say why. Um, it is a movie that I think everyone should have on their radar. It is fantastic, it is insane. Pick up on all the little details that you have on there and take a bath or get baptized the moment that ending happens. Because it is utterly ungodly. Uh, I'm
0: excited for that one. It's Mm. been getting such cool reviews. Uh, That definitely seems like every heart nerd is going to want to put that one on their radar. Yes. so I know a couple other movies that you liked. Uh, do you want to talk about the tale at all? You mentioned that Laura Dern potentially was
1: yeah. one of your favorite acting performances this year at Sundance. Um, the the I think she was fantastic in the movie. I think the narrative, the way that they tell the story is fantastic and the way that she's trying to re, re-look at her past and it's based off like a bunch of little stories that she wrote and she's a documentary a, a documentarian. But instead of just like showing you a flashback, she'll show you a flashback and then be like, but that's not how I remembered it. So then they swap out the actress to then be like, "I oh, I thought she was a redhead. It Turns out mm. she wasn't a redhead, she was blonde. So then they reshow you the scenes with the blonde instead. It's cool. Like, I really like that aspect of it. Then the movie goes to a place. We just talked about Hereditary. But this is not as bad as the crazy things that happen in Hereditary. Or, or this, I mean, this is worse than the crazy things that happen in Hereditary and it's real like it's it's
0: not played for horror i'm assuming it's not
1: played for horror yet it's way more horrible mhm and some movies insinuate it they show it obviously it's movie magic right but some people don't know movie magic and this is that movie that uh you never want to see again
0: oof
1: it's a I, um. it's like the detroit it's a, it's the 12 years a slave of this specific subject, you watch it, you go, okay, and you never want to see it again. And while some may disagree about how they show some things, it's one of those things where it's just like, well, you know, Patch of the Christ, they needed to whip them that hard in order to get to the point of that, mm-hmm. right? In 12 Years a Slave, the whippings had to be that hard to get to the point of it, and you have to show it. Same thing with Detroit and the harassment in that movie. With a bunch of these movies that you don't want to see again, certain directors go, we need to show it to you in order for you to get the gravitas of the situation. They showed it to you in this movie I'm glad HBO picked it up. I don't know if they're going to do a theatrical run with this, but the best place to see it is at home, in the shower, to just wash it away from you because it's, it's disgusting at points. But it's, it's impacting, very impacting, and that's why I'm surprised Laura Dorn didn't get it with the arc that she goes through in the story.
0: I'm really looking forward to her performance. She's had, like, a real uh, great run yeah. in the last year the or so. The Renaissance that's happening, yeah. The Renaissance, <laughs> Full-on Renaissance. <laughs> Um, And I wouldn't let you get through the segment without telling me a little bit about Nick Cage and Chainsaws in Mandy.
1: Listen, I know all of y'all are excited for Nick Cage and Chainsaws. The worst part of this movie is when Nick Cage doesn't show up. It's like a two-hour movie. He's in it a bit in the beginning, but the first hour, my man's absent. And is it until, as you know when the poster shows you, he's out for his revenge for his wife and this is a very psychedelic movie. Uh, I would The closest I would say it's, imagine a, a very Nick Cage campy movie, right? But ben uh, oh, Wheatley, I'm imagining. <laughs> but, but Ben Wheatley directed it. Right. <laughs> and it's Nick, Nicholas Wooded reference uh, cinematographer. <laughs> and they all did shrooms before the movie. It's based off of a book, and you can follow along with the book when they give these freaking 10-page monologues to the screen while they have, like, five effects on the screen. I was not the biggest fan of that. (laughs) Some people may really like it. What everyone is going there to watch, and I will tell you it does 1,000% deliver, is the Nick cage isness that happens. There are some fantastic lines dealing with his shirt, (laughs) dealing with a bathroom scene with one of the best freakouts, Um, What I think happened in this movie is that they approached him to play a different character who was supposed to be weird and Nick Cage said, nah, I don't want that. So then they're like, okay, we have a very serious movie here (laughs) and we can make that (laughs) or we can completely ruin the vision of this movie and get Nick Cage to then make it something. And they went with Nick Cage. There's two movies happening here. There's this trippy, like cultish, uh, like crazy... Horror movie going on, then there's Nick Cage doing his straight to Netflix zaniness. And they clash together.
0: I'm crazy, nuts, Nick Cage. Yelling at the bees. Barbed
1: wires in this movie, but it is fantastic. My favorite scene is the t shirt scene. He gets mad because someone ripped his t shirt, and the way he reacts to that. Yo, there's like guys at midnight, guys standing up, just uh, clapping like crazy. Oh, man. So, yeah.
0: I'm very excited to see that one. Uh, So for all the fun times that you've had at Sundance, there were a few movies that I know disappointed you. One that I wanted to talk to you about was the movie that got the first big deal out of this year's Sundance, when Neon, the distributor behind Itania, picked up Assassination Nation for $10 million. Uh, This is the second film from writer-director Sam Levinson with a bunch of new faces, as well as Suki Waterhouse and Bill Skarsgård art. Do you understand Neon's big money splash on
1: Assassination Nation? Someone said Neon's out here picking up the movies A24 don't want. Someone said that I can't remember where on Twitter. And I said, that's bogus. Shout out to whoever. <laughs> and it's true. I don't. There was no movie at Sundance that I hated. There was one that peeved me, but none of them I hated. So. I thought every movie had something to it. The the three that I didn't really care for so much was Summer of 84, because it didn't really do anything. Nancy, I think I have it a lot lower than it really is. Um, Tyrell, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Assassination Nation, I I didn't dislike. Again, that was another midnight movie. Everyone was hyped for it. Everyone was cheering for it. Um, I don't think it fully works as a narrative to which you would say, well, of course, that's a metaphor. So when I look at the metaphor, I'm like, yeah, but that's a stupid metaphor. <laughs> well, that's because it works as a narrative at that point. Yeah, but we just said the narrative is stupid. It's it's a fun, crazy movie. Do not get me wrong. It is. I, I recommend people watching it because there are some lines where you're just like, that was savage. Yo, that was a good kill. That's this craziness. You know, I'm not going to say, like, the, the Purge is an enjoyable movie. Not say that this isn't. Where this is practically right. The Purge um, meets, like, Mean Girls, in a sense. It's The Purge meets Mean Girls meets whatever hacker movie that just exploits everything out there. It's like, it's like a mini episode of Black Mirror meets Mean Girls. Um, where this whole town just ends up going crazy and all the actresses that you mentioned uh, have to stand up for themselves. It's a very feminist tale. And it's funny because it starts off by telling you there's a trigger warning. So I find it very interesting... Because it's not PC in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And it does get to, to something by the end of the movie where a character just, like, does a monologue. It ghost stories it. That's <laughs> When a movie's very cryptic, but then they decide to just get a character out there and just tell you what the whole movie's about. Yeah, just sneak that one scene mm. in there in the middle. I thought it was fun. There was just situations where they go from, like, oh, I'm so helpless to, go sniper It's Like, what? What? No, no, it's a metaphor about how women can stand up <coughs> for themselves when they need it. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. So I'm like, oh, 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 okay. He's like, yes, but it, uh, the metaphor is also saying that like all men are terrible. <coughs> Ooh. Blood- <laughs> I can see you're allergic to these types of movies. Yeah, I'm just David allergic Escoyer, to uh, this type of narrative. David Escoyer directed or er, wrote it. And. uh... Recently, I have not been the biggest fan of David Esquiyer. Yeah. David Esquiyer is a person who I like less when he's actually talking himself yeah. in interviews. Um, but from what I've noticed, he's more of that guy who does the whole all men need to apologize. Yeah, but this baby was just born, but it was born a male and it needs to apologize. the what are you talking about? All men have done wrong and they need to apologize. Like he's that type of guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And noticing some things in this movie, they don't always do it. But they kind of hinted it, and then I remember it's written by David Esquer, and I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I do think it's a fine movie, and I, I think some of the, a lot of the metaphors and the shots that they have are like really good. But I'd have to watch it again to really like get what they're going at, because it gets to a point where it's like, again, what I was saying with a lot of the other movies, where it's dealing with police brutality, you know, white cops and black civilians, and how it could have swayed one way. But most movies were like, nah, we're gonna obviously, you know, we're siding for the people who have been hurt, but we're we're, we're gonna really try to see both sides. There's like one nice guy in this movie. If I'm a bash God's Not Dead and all the people who like this movie are also going to bash God's Not Dead movies for making anyone who's not a Christian look bad, right? Then i might have to say the same thing here. A little bit. A little bit. Have it both ways. Can't but uh, it both no, ways. it's a crazy movie. I still enjoyed it for what it was. You cool. know, it's, it's, it's an extreme version. So not you terrible. Know, not... Oh, no, I don't think... No, 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 no. None of these were terrible movies other than you're talking about Tyrell.
0: All right, so let's get into it. My boy Sebastian Silva back at it making people uncomfortable. Uh, his latest is Tyrell. And uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Caleb Landry Jones is in this one. Uh, I like Michael Sarah shows up. Uh, Love him. What did you think about Tyrell? Where did it rub you the wrong way?
1: Hmm. You remember Vincent Adultman from, <laughs> from one of our favorites, Bojack Horseman? I've made a business. Wow, I'm so glad you bring that one up, right? He doesn't know what work is. He just knows that he makes a business. Mm-hmm. Imagine a little kid trying to talk about something that he has knows nothing about. Imagine a non-American trying to tell you what America is like. That, to me, is this movie. I'm a big fan of a lot of people who are in here. Uh, dude who's also in Piercing, he was in uh, James White. James James White or... He was just in It Comes at Night as well.
0: Uh, oh, Chris Abbott. Um, yeah. yeah, Chris Abbott. And then
1: um, uh, Jason Mitchell's in this as well, right? Main reason I wanted to watch this movie. Right. He's he's, he's Tyrell. Um, you don't mind if I give you a little bit of the synopsis a bit. Go ahead. Tyrell's a story about this black dude who doesn't have room in his house right now, so he ends up going with his friend, whose friends, right? So he doesn't really know the gr- other group of friends, but he knows Chris Abbott who tells him, yo, they're cool with you coming with us since we know that your house is a little busy right now with all the people you have over. So he's joining this place. He's not forced into it. He's actually being accepted. They're making room for him. And he gets there, and I have been calling this movie Microaggressions the movie. Again, it is an outsider who has no idea how America really works, taking advantage of the fact that there are definitely issues happening in America. In. I don't know why Jason Mitchell signed up for this. It's called Tyrell because his name is actually Tyler but at the beginning of the movie a dude's getting out of the car and he's like hey man nice to meet you he's like Tyrell he's like oh hi, Ty- hi Tyrell yeah, it's Tyler oh sorry man I didn't hear you and then the director decides well that's it the movie's Tyrell but I Look, I would feel you if this was, like, a racist dude who over and over again kept calling you Tyrell. Well,
0: if it's about microaggressions.
1: Bruh, Tyrell never gets brought up in the movie ever again. This is what I mean by the first of many microaggressions. I've heard because the guy people, even said, I'm sorry. I've
0: heard people who enjoyed it more than you on Twitter compare it to
1: Get Out without the horror. Do you see that at all? What? because Michael Landry Jones is in it? For Landry, whatever his name is, yeah, because maybe he's that. It. No, no, because in okay for, no, because in Get Out they actually say things that are messed up if you take out the horror, which. <laughs> yeah, take out the horror from Get Out. It's that's the dumbest up. thing. I've, yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, well, when we take take the water and the fish out of Finding Nemo too. Yeah, it's, no, you can't take the horror out of Get Out. If you take the horror out of Get Out, then it's not Get Out. That's, a, that's dumb. Okay, first of all. <laughs>
0: All right, so... We take um, the
1: beast out of Beauty and the Beast. It's just like that. No, to me, I, I get what they're trying to say, that it's just like the, uh, the ambiance of the room and how people don't really mean what they're saying, but, but they are coming off a little wrong. There's a gay dude in this movie. There's a foreign dude in this movie. Chris Abbott himself, I believe, is Middle Eastern. Why is he taking everything the wrong way where he's getting mad for things that aren't even targeted at him? But the funny part is, is that when Michael Sarah finally appears in this movie and he saves it, because this man comes in and he saves it by saying even more messed up things. But he agrees with Michael Sarah's cause he likes Michael Sarah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I
0: don't what? know man you're making me curious I'm curious about oh this no no movie.
1: definitely I always say I always say, watch every movie because I'll give Tyrell that while it's not my favorite because I was just watching it going like just don't make any sense like he acts I, I'm, he acts like he was violated the night before and all they did was play a game where it's like do an accent and he's okay with the Chinese accent and the Russian accent but when it talks about doing a black accent
0: well maybe that's part of his point I don't know I haven't seen it I, I'm curious to check it out um, I know another movie that you were a little bit disappointed by is the, uh, directorial, the directorial debut of our favy Paul Dano. Uh, this one's called Wildlife. It stars oh. Carey Mulligan, amongst
1: others. Uh, but it was a bit of a do- disappointment, was it not? Look, I mean, it's one of those things where you wait list so many times for one thing that when you finally get it, I guess your expectations can be high. I still try to judge it, you know, for what it is. And I always wait a bit before I even update the letterbox or whatever else, talk about it with other people. Let it marinate, if you will. It's good. Mm-hmm. I think it's based off of a book. So then my problem is with the book. It ain't with Paul Dano. <laughs> the only thing I'll give Paul Dano is just like, y'all got to cut some scenes for me. I'm but glad he's a very patient director. I, you know, His style is to keep the camera on. But I don't need a dolly-in on the kid from The Visit to be like a minute long. <laughs> I get it. He's not liking the scenario. Gotta speed it up a little. Uh, yeah, I gotta speed it up a bit. Same thing with um, the, the characters a bit. I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Couldn't wait to come see him for like 25 minutes in this movie before, he, before he's before he gone for just a bit. Just a warning for those oh. of you guys who are really looking forward to that. Just the way that the story plays out, there's a specific character. Truly really Carrie Mulligan's movie, um, just seen through the eyes of the kid. But again, I am gonna bl- I'm gonna have to blame the book. I'm not gonna blame Paul Dano or, or Zoe Kazan. Uh, I think the production design, the way it looks all fantastic but in terms of the character herself it's sort of like she starts off and you're like wow she's like this very she's very much a housewife and what ends up happening is sort of like what (laughs) like like in we the animals the mom ends up going through something and you see how she reacts but it makes sense here it's like there is, there is there is, you getting a downfall and then there's you legitimately not caring. Right. Like, like just straight up, I don't know. To me, that transition in the second half didn't work. It's a much slower movie, which is fine, but after a while, after the dolly, after the bus, after the, like, you know, some people open, I'm of the Edgar Wright, open the door, right? I don't expect everything to be that fast, but I don't expect everything to be, like, walking down the hallway, <laughs>
0: Yeah, you Look, got places Ortiz. to be a little bit, a little bit.
1: Got open the door. And it's not too so drastic. There are other ones like I would say yeah. piercing that does it a bit more. But um yeah, that felt like oh, okay, I get it. Got to extend the story out cuz it's a very simple tale of a very simple family and what they go through.
0: All right, so this but is it, Second time attending the festival, and Mm -hmm. last year you saw your favorite movie, 2017, Brigsby Bear. Bear. You saw the Indie Darling of 2017, Call Me By Your Mm -hmm. Name. You caught the eventual Oscar nominee, Mudbound. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about 2018? You caught more movies this year than you did at last year's festival. How does this year's Sundance compare to last year's?
1: I agree with what a lot of other people have been saying. There is no huge Call Me By Your Name. Brigsby Bear wasn't, like, this crazy, massive hit yeah. either. No Whiplash,
0: no Boyhood.
1: There's no Whiplash, no Boyhood for for those people as well. I mean, the closest to me was Search. It kind of got me there. Mm-hmm. But, like, Briggsby Whiplash, those movies, like, stuck with me. Call Me By Your Name is because it was. Um, I I was thinking Wildlife was going to be this year's Big Sick and having a duo that are dating each other, <laughs> working on the movie and having it get some buzz as well. There is no, like, Big Sick either, in my opinion. There's not, like, these massive movies that I think people are going to adore as much as, like, previous ones did. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah, you seem to have
0: pretty much enjoyed almost everything that you saw, and you've seen a lot of movies. I have
1: greatly liked a lot more movies than I have loved if that makes any sense. Like, last oh, yeah. year, I loved Brigsby and Call Me By Your Name. And I, I mean I can't remember everything from last year, but I thought the other ones were, like, were like good. Here, I think there's a lot of really, really good. We the Animals, to me, is really, really good. Cameron Pulse* is really, really good. Monsters and Men, Hereditary, Sorry to Bother You Search. All of these are really, really good movies. So there's a huge crop of really, really good movies instead of that one that's just, like, y'all just gotta be waiting for this. And it, it's still kind of there. Hereditary is that. You know what I mean? To me, Search is that. To me, I can't wait for people to see Sorry to Bother You and who utterly hates it and who loves it.
0: You think Hereditary is going to be the one that most people are talking about when we look back at this year's Sundance?
1: I think it's going to be Hereditary and Cameron Post. But I really hope people give Search a chance. And this all depends on how they put it out there. That's really, it's just going to depend on how they put it out there. Awesome. Uh, I have faith in in eighth grade since A24 is going to be handling that. But, yeah, I mean, that's the big deal. It's how they handle it.
0: Awesome. Well, there's a lot of exciting movies to look forward to coming out of the Sundance Film Festival. Make sure you keep up with Art at the ATZ Show, who will be posting about a lot of these movies, I'm sure. Uh, We're going to get into them later. But let's move on to the Oscar nominations, which Mm -hmm. were revealed last week. Uh, It was a pretty exciting crop full of movies that people were really, really enthusiastic about, Get Out showing up huge, The Shape of Water having a Lord of the Rings-like type of uh, nomination streak with 13 nominations, Mm -hmm. Uh, Lady Bird getting into a lot of the major categories including Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, But there are some snubs that people are talking about with Steven Spielberg, Martin McDonough and Luca Guadagnino all losing out Best Director nominations. Art, what was your big reaction to the reveal of the Oscar nominations last week?
1: Either y'all agreed with me that James Franco didn't deserve his best Oscar nod, or y'all Vanity Fared him. You heard about that? Yeah. He was in the Vanity Fair cover, and they just cut him out? Oh, wait, that I didn't hear about, really? That, Yes. We were talking about whether uh, Three Billboards is going to win. Obviously, he was going to get nominated, but have things changed where it may not be the frontrunner anymore because of the backlash. Right. I don't know, because backlash seemed to have happened that the Golden Globe winner isn't even nominated. Now, trust me, I was the one who said, I don't think he should be nominated. I liked the performance, but I don't think it was Oscar-worthy. But everybody else did, and all of a sudden, they didn't. What has happened in between the allegations?
0: Right. The Vanity Fair uh, thing so- came out. There are a lot of people saying that, uh, you know, maybe it was these allegations around James Franco that kind of knocked him out of the race. Bro, they cgi uh, so him sure.
1: out of it. He was I'm in the Vanity so sure Fair cover, they cut him out. i not he
0: was knocked out, though, because it, it was kind of allegations that surfaced in the last couple days of eligibility for the, for the voting. Yeah, yes. and, and he's also like, he was also kind of like a fringe nominee in the first place. I don't know if he was necessarily <laughs> a lock, but he did end up... Uh, losing out to Denzel Washington from Roman J. Israel Esquire, which we was not a movie, movie that a lot of people have seen.
1: <laughs> we got to watch that movie. <sighs> yep. I don't know. I See, I feel like the Denzel one is sort of like, hmm, people really hate us for what who we let win last year. How do we change that? People, shoot, we like Casey Affleck win last year. How do we change that? Well, let's get rid of him and swap him up with Denzel.
0: <laughs> it, it did kind of occur to me that I feel like Denzel is now... Asserting Meryl himself Streep. as this like, yeah, he's male Meryl, Meryl Streep or king of Hollywood, especially now that Tom Hanks lost out on yet another great performance between this Captain Phillips, Sully, uh, and The Post. He's now like gone several years without getting a best actor disrespectful.
1: Nomination. It's disrespectful. We're not going to mention how disrespectful it is. Do you know when like someone just reaches such a degree that they give you greatness all the time? You take them for th- granted. You just call them good? Yeah. Not, that ain't right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's what we're doing with
0: Meryl Streep, except we still give Meryl Streep Oscar nomination. She got her record 21st nomination, breaking her own record. Um, and another thing that was show, showed up relatively small, uh, one of your favorites from last year, Call Me By Your Name, it did... Get a best picture nomination. Chalamet did get in to the so best actor race. So uh, but look, as I mentioned, Luca Guadagnino was not in the best director race, and both Michael Stolberg and Army yeah. Hammer didn't show up in Best Supporting Actor. Any thoughts on that? Uh
1: I'm I don't I don't think Stolberg's role was big enough, even though it literally is supporting in all the sense of the, yeah. of the phrase. What I've heard a lot of complaints about, and I don't know if this is fangirling. But the people who have really been on Army Hammer, what do you think? I don't think so. I mean,
0: I didn't think Army Hammer was that great. That being said, like, uh, you know, he was
1: serviceable. No, he did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I, so Sounds like I'm not a big fan of
0: the uh, Christopher Plummer performance that got nominated. It's fine, but I don't think it's oh, yeah, the one that he, just, he worthy.
1: The one he just filmed last week. Yeah, yeah that exactly.
0: One. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of makes a little bit of a mockery of the Oscars. that He just kind of like stepped into this movie last minute and is able to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Yeah. We're not, not even on the animated category yet. Yeah. Uh, acting nominee in Academy history. I also don't know if, yeah, uh, for this performance. Uh, Wait, I also well, don't didn't know he win if, the sorry. oldest one as well? Yeah, he's the oldest winner, and now he's the oldest nominee. He's just breaking his own record Yep, because he's getting older. Uh, And Woody Harrelson, I don't Uh, know if he necessarily deserved the supporting actor nomination over either of the Call Me By Your Name guys. Uh, I thought he was really good, but again, he kind of had a
1: small part too. No, I think he's just adding to the fuel of the people who didn't want, what's his name? Sam Rockwell. because. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. So they just going, well, Sam Rockwell and this other guy. It just <laughs> adds to that narrative because now well, they can the add thing. that. A it's role this weird was
0: like, does Three Boards have a lot of momentum because it got the two supporting actor nominations, or does it have yeah. not a lot of momentum because it didn't get the Best Director award? I mean, I'll point out that Argo won Best Picture a few years ago after you know Ben Affleck did not get the Best Director nomination.
1: Mm. Jay-Z got the most noms at the Grammys, went home with nothing, so I don't know what to tell you. Is this bad news for Shape of Water, maybe? Bad news. Yeah, no, Shape of Water, you said it was like Lord of the Rings, so it gets it on the third try. Yeah. (laughs) So so the triangle of water will get it.
0: Um, Florida Project was another one I was a little bit uh, sad to see. Pretty much entirely shut out. I think its only nomination came for Best Supporting Actor, Willem Dafoe. Uh, I was hoping it would sneak into Best Picture or Best Cinematography, but... Ultimately, there's just too much competition there. Uh, especially from Phantom Thread, which came up much bigger than people expected. Which you and I were really hoping nominations. for. It, yeah. yeah, we are thrilled with this. It's the second time that Paul Thomas Anderson has received a Best Director nomination. I'm really happy, uh, not just that Daniel Day-Lewis got in for what we expected would be his mm-hmm. uh, Best Actor nomination, but that Leslie Manville breaks through and gets the Best yeah, Supporting like, yes. Actress nomination. She yes. was so good in that movie.
1: That one scene that she has with her brother, where she tells him, like, I will, but you that scene alone was just like, Yeah, you do belong here, yes you do. Yeah. I mean I think, you know, I was worried that
0: not enough people will have seen Phantom Thread, but I'm sure that anybody who did see Phantom Thread remembers that performance. Yeah. Uh and it did so well that I'm honestly surprised we didn't see like a surprise nomination for Vicky Krapes or something.
1: I just don't want to see her again because she scares me. <laughs> Yeah, I feel uh, what
0: you're saying so uh is, is who is your biggest snub and best actress is it her is it Jessica Chastain for Molly's Game
1: uh, I see Molly's Game got what uh best script
0: screen, screenplay nomination yeah adapted which, screenplay
1: which is what it should have gotten um I think Jessica deserved to get in there who would you who would you swap for her I mean M- you know name them
0: name them it's always hard to say Meryl
1: cause she She's always good, but it's just and, like... No, the post was uh, good, though. How many uh, times do
0: we need to give Meryl another nomination? Yeah, um, I know,
1: but, but, but this one was good, right? Yes,
0: yes, it like was Ricky really good. Like Ricky and the
1: Flash, that other stuff, That what, those yes. were like... I will argue with you with those, but it's gotten to the point that because you nominated with all those, when she gets a rightfully deserved one like for the post... You then throw in that narrative of you know
0: exactly it does complicate things. Um, I mean, and, that, and it's hard because it's a really good field this year. I wouldn't nominate her over Sally Hawkins, Frances McDormand, no. uh, Margot Robbie, Saoirse Ronan. So yeah,
1: don't she know. don't belong there. <laughs> she's six. Yeah, she's honorable six. mention. Have her have her announce the award. <laughs> yeah,
0: except, except in Casey Affleck's <laughs> place. Yeah, why not? Uh, Logan became the first superhero hero movie to get a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination. Uh, what do you think about Logan making this breakthrough?
1: I think for all of you who said, wow, you're so pathetic for having a superhero movie in your top ten, there you go. <laughs> I have an Oscar-nominated superhero movie in my top Not the same 10.
0: one you put in your top ten, mind you, but...
1: I put Logan in my top ten.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking... Didn't you have Thor yeah. Ragnarok and you're like... Of course I had Thor Ragnarok too. Something?
1: No, that, that no, those comments still stay. Yeah, I get those. <laughs> I can't defend those yet for those people. But for the Oscar-nominated Logan, <laughs> I got that yeah, one up yeah. there. I mean,
0: it's an interesting development. I, I know a lot of people have been hoping for years to see some of the super, superhero movies like Deadpool break through. Um, but I think uh, Logan... No, Logan did,
1: was uh, crafted.
0: Logan did take like a genuinely interesting step in uh, script, the like, grand scheme of what uh, superhero movies too. Yeah. But it's the script and That's it's the fact crazy. that the script... That's crazy. It's the fact that the story went so far out of the realm of what we normally see from superhero yeah. films, I think. Um, and Man. I think, you know... That's why we're not going to see a movie like Wonder Woman breakthrough in these types of categories, because it is kind of, even though it's, you know, novel in its way, it's not that new in its script.
1: Yeah. So what do you think of all the people who have like really rioted about (laughs) Wonder Woman not being nominated for anything?
0: I think it's, I think it's not, not tell them, tell
1: them. (laughs) <laughs> Remind I, the people what the Oscars are for. I know what you want to say. Go ahead and tell them. Tell them the difference between Oscar nominations and your favorite movies.
0: I think that they don't know what the Academy Awards are for. I think they don't know what a best picture means. I mean, like, the, it, it's – seriously, like, it's fun. It's It was great while it lasted, but that's not what we're here for. We're here for craft and, like – the craft, innovators and like, the best, just
1: like like Suicide Squad winning best hair <laughs> yes, exactly. and makeup, and <laughs>
0: boss, we're, we're here to honor Suicide Squad and Transformers. Do you know how hard it's Wonder getting to bullshit. defend the
1: Oscars? Do you know how hard it's getting to defend the Oscars? And you're the one. <laughs> Well, they were good this year, I... man.
0: I mean, Get Out got, like, a shitload of nominations. Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig in the Best Director. And and Paul Thomas Anderson, the Best Director nominees. I mean, like, I'm kind of happy this year with the nominations. Oh, I, more happy but than but I've been in a while. Still find
1: ways to, people will still find ways to complain because Transformers last night was a nominated. People always by... find
0: ways to complain. Uh, did, did you? Another thing that I thought was interesting that I wanted to point out is that there are some interesting shifts happening in the uh, way that we've seen the nominations been given out before. Uh, it's the first time in a long time that two of the Best Actor nominees were still in their 20s. Both Chalamet and Kaluuya are still in their 20s. Oh, that's right. I keep, I
1: keep forgetting.
0: Uh, he in, got
1: nominated. That's right? insane.
0: Yeah. Um, and Best, Best Editing, I believe, has always had at least four Best Picture nominees in it for the last, like, 20 years or something like that. This year, there are two movies in Best Editing that were not nominated for Best Picture. Which uh, ones? Including Baby Driver. Oh, okay. okay
1: yeah, right. um, so,
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's just interesting to see some of these changes in the perception of the Academy. Uh, some of these maybe loosening of uh, what we thought were steadfast rules, like superhero movies don't get nominated, young actors don't get nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's... I think we have a pretty interesting crop of nominees. I'm not really too upset about I think it's just interesting. About any of the snubs.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a really, really good year, even for the ones where you're just like, what the heck is this? There will always be snubs, because snubs just means that your favorite didn't get nominated. Uh, it still remains your favorite, though, and you can watch it all you want. Uh, exactly. That being said, it's whoever wins, though. I remember we all thought Stallone was going to win it. Right, yeah. And it didn't happen. No one was and complaining it, well, about the nomination. What do you think, they do were you complaining think that,
0: about the win. Do you think that Three Billboards now is kind of like on its way out? Do you think that The Shape of Water is the favorite with its 13
1: nominations? I hope so. Because that's my <laughs> uncle and I'll be invited to the barbecue. <laughs> but I don't know, it could be. I think it's between those two. Uh, are, you, are you just completely losing hope for Call Me By Your Name?
0: Um, I mean, I kind of feel like Call Me By Your Name at this point, it's kind of just like... It's happy to be there. I think maybe Shalomay has a you chance.
1: You know what? You know what I've gotten at? I'm that dude who doesn't root for a basketball team. I root for the basketball player. I've yeah. gotten to the point where I really don't care who wins Best Picture. I really don't for whatever reason. Like I'm rooting for something, but I I care more about the individual. Like You're I've been rooting Timmy. not for a picture. Timote. I've been rooting, I've been rooting for Timmy. I've been rooting for that Best Editing for um, Baby Driver. Yeah. I've been rooting for Blade Runner to lose everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've been, that's thats what I've been, I want the individual words, I guess, more than the collective one because I right. don't feel that whatever wins is really going to define my year. But I do know that whatever individuals win, it can propel them to the next level.
0: Right. And that, so for me, is why I'm kind of excited to see Get Out in so many of these categories. I'd really love to see Jordan Peele Go Get Home with out. an Oscar, whether it's for the screenplay or director Blumhouse or picture, any
1: nominated. Of them. Holy smokes. It,
0: it's just so cool that it actually made the... I mean, and I think it deserves it. You know, it was the movie <laughs> that dominated conversation this year. So for me, I, I just think oh. it's... I think it's nice to see a relatively positive response online to Oscar nominations for movies like Get Out, The Shape of Water, Mm -hmm. and Lady Bird that are so popular with so many film fans and doing so well at the nominations. It might make for a more positive discussion of these awards as we move into the 90th Academy Awards. And we'll get more into that on future weeks of the show, Uh, but we should move on, wrap up our... Uh, our show for this week. Let Art get to bed because he's out in Sundance and it is getting late. Uh, I can't leave y'all without a pick for the week though. Art, I know you've been watching a lot of Sundance movies. Do you have anything to recommend for people out there?
1: From Sundance or anything?
0: For anything, I'll I, mean, give you I don't one. think most people can see the Sundance movies. So. Well, there well, is one Sundance
1: one. movie that you can see. So my recommendation, even though it may not be the best at Sundance, is that you too can get a part of this Salt Lake City experience right at home on Netflix. You can go to Netflix and you can watch a futile and stupid gesture, or is it a stupid and futile gesture? Whatever a futile it is, and it's, it's, it's on, on Netflix. Uh, it, I you both of us both of us are big fans of uh, Mike White. Yeah. What is his name? No, it's not Mike White. What? No, no, no. Uh, David Wayne. David Wayne. Why am I thinking of Mike White? He's, he wrote School of Rock. or yeah, Directed yeah. School of Rock. Uh, this is pleasing to us. But doesn't really... Do you get what I'm getting at? Like, we like their movies. So oh, yeah. this is like their untitled, unmastered release. <laughs> Yeah, this is. I don't want like, to say that because it's still very rough well, rough well edited and gedges, crafted. Maybe. yes, right. So for us, it's sort of like we'll accept you because we love you. But y'all really? I gonna... mean, like, I do think it's
0: harder than people give it credit for to make a consistently entertaining, funny movie that communicates a story. And this movie does that, even if it takes some like strange narrative decisions.
1: <laughs> this They did not care in this one. They really did not care in this one. No. Which is, is commendable to a certain degree. And I have to watch it again. I'll probably watch it again on the plane. Mm-hmm. But there are some... They went anti-Tribeca. Like some full anti-Tribeca jokes in this thing. Yes. I was like, yo, okay, we're going there. And I, I mean, guess it's it's weird because it's a true story. That's why. I, I think mean, for that's me, what made I, it so weird.
0: I'd, stay, I'd say like come for like the loosely told true story of the founding of National Lampoon, one of the mm-hmm. most influential humor institutions Movies and everything, yeah. uh, here in America, and stay for Joel McHale's Chevy Chase pratfall impressions.
1: Bro, whoever they got to play Bill Murray <laughs> is the same casting director who got uh, the Snoop Dogg, <laughs> got Lakeith to play Snoop Dogg yeah. in Straight Outta Compton.
0: Yeah, it uh, wasn't exactly perfect always, but some of them are pretty funny. The Joel McHale one is pretty funny.
1: That's some good bits. That's why I say recommend that if you wanted to say that you saw a bit of Sundance early. Uh, well, this one got released early. It got released during the festival. It's at home. So
0: Yeah, it's up on Netflix now. Also up on Netflix now, my pick for the week. It's called The End of the Effing World. I've only seen the first four oh. out of these eight episodes. Uh, this is a co-production between Netflix and Channel 4 in the UK. It aired on Channel 4 a couple months ago. Yep. But it's a really cool, fun, teen road
1: comedy kind of thing. Uh, you haven't seen this one yet? You do, I binged it uh, right before I came to uh, came to Sundance. Oh, wow. Um, so I you're ahead of lot. me on this. Yeah, yeah dude. I, for the first time, yeah, on a TV series, I usually am the slowest one. But this one feels like a, it's based off a comic... Reads like well, a com- feels like a comic, it views like a comic. Well, the you got those super so short, short
0: 18 minute episodes,
1: bro. I I thought I was still in the same episode, I was episode three. I said, What What the, right?
0: Heck? Yeah, they it, it like does that. kind of feel almost like one overly long indie movie rather than an eight episode mini series kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly recommend it, I think it's really great. I'm not a big fan yes. of them trying to push a season two.
0: Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Um, I haven't gotten to the end, so I can't speak on that, but it does seem like it's a really fun contained package. Uh, It's the story of these two young teenagers who think they're a little bit crazy, and they go on the run, and and it's got these really great internal monologues. It's just very funny in the back and forth and the awkward interactions, so uh, I think that anybody who uh, loves a good like awkward teen comedy will find something to enjoy in The End of the Epic World on Netflix. Yes, it's very dark. You have to maybe be willing to deal with a bit of blood, more blood than you see Mm. in most comedies. True. (laughs) All right, so uh, those are our picks for the week, but that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, at ZShevich, as well as on Instagram, also at ZShevich, and check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash multiplexshow. Uh, Art, where can people find more from you?
1: You can follow me in Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> I'll be posted up here for Out on these eight streets. days. <laughs> uh now you can find me at the A to Z show on Facebook, Ski Twitter, Instagram, and uh Letterbox, which I've been trying to update. I got my list up there for my Sundance movies. So if you if you want to experience Sundance the way that most Sundance theaters experience it as well, just going in blank, but you want to, you know, know what's good and trust my opinion. Top the the top six that I have. Six, I know it's weird, it's not five, it's six. The first six that you see, those I highly recommend. Go in there, once they come up, keep an eye out for them and let me know what you think. And you can tweet at me or Facebook me at the A to Z show. And you can follow me uh, also on YouTube where I'll be posting up not only a rundown of my tops and why, but also uh, a sort of top, the, the five tips on how to go to Sundance because a lot of people have been asking me like, yo, how do I make it out to Sundance? And there are ways that you can. And if you do, and if you follow these tips on my list, um, join Zach and I because I think we we both will be going next year, hopefully. And uh, it'd be great to see more people here. It'd be dope. Yeah, because I've uh, said it.
0: Spoiler alert for uh, Intercut Twenty Nineteen.
1: Hey, hey, hey for, for Intercut Episode Fifty Four. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, Sundance is that place that I hope uh, every film time gets a Film fan gets the chance to visit at least once. So I'll be making videos about that and hoping to uh, see you guys there in the future.
0: Awesome. Well, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find new episodes dropping every Tuesday. Also, like our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, all at at IntercutPod for updates from us throughout the week. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, remember: Sunday's 2019. We're we're meeting up, intercuties,
1: all <laughs> in one place. We're go- we're gonna take it by storm.
0: Yeah.